Welcome to POP. My name is Pastor Tony Katko, and this is a shortened version of our sermon from the second Sunday in Advent, December 4th. Our reading is from Isaiah chapter 11. A shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge for the poor and decide with equity for the oppressed of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist, and faithfulness the belt around his loins. The wolf shall live with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion will feed together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put its hand on the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. On that day the root of Jesse shall stand as a signal to the peoples. The nation shall inquire of him, and his dwelling shall be glorious. Last week we had Isaiah chapter 2, this vision of peace on earth. And this week with chapter 11, there's a prophecy of a righteous ruler who takes care of the poor and the oppressed, who governs with justice for everyone. And then there's this vision that extends to peace in the natural world. All these predators, the wolf, the leopard, and the lion, and the bear are living peacefully with these animals that used to be their prey. And then babies and children are playing with deadly snakes without any fear, and no one gets hurt. It's this ridiculous vision of hope that shows heaven on earth, and no one needs to live in fear anymore. But this beautiful vision is only half the story. When you actually open your Bible and read through Isaiah, you get these passages, the glimpses of hope, and then there's wrath and judgment and destruction. Over and over again, there's this cycle. There's the destruction, and then there's hope. Think about the beginning of this reading. A shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. Now this image refers to the rulers of Israel. Jesse was the father of King David, and over time, David was remembered as the ideal ruler. This is what they wanted to go back to, the glory days of David. So a shoot, a new plant, is good news of hope, right? But then you stop to think about it. Where does the stump come from? So listen to the two verses right before this. Look, the sovereign, the Lord of hosts, will lop the boughs with terrifying power. The tallest trees will be cut down and the lofty will be brought low. He will hack down the thickets of the forest with an axe, and Lebanon with its majestic trees will fall. And then a shoot will come out of the stump. So the axe is coming to the tree, and then a sapling will grow from the lifeless stump. Now imagine hearing this when the tree was still standing. The reason we read these texts during Advent is because Christians see this prophecy eventually leads to Jesus coming through the line of David. But for Isaiah's original audience, there was still a king and a kingdom. 
And things didn't look great. The Assyrians were closing in. The king that they had wasn't a good one. But still, they hadn't given up hope that they could have some reforms and things could get better. And Isaiah's like, sorry, a little pruning's not gonna do it. The ax is coming to hack down your tree to the stump and then new life will grow again. Sometimes things have to get worse before they get better. At one point, Jesus tells Nicodemus, this Pharisee, that no one can see God's kingdom unless they're born again first. In other words, God's dream for this world is so different than what we're used to it's like we have to die to our current way of living in order to be born to a new way of life. Megan Phelps Roper grew up in one of the most universally hated families in America. Her grandfather was Fred Phelps, the founder of the Westboro Baptist Church. And Westboro is more of a cult than a church. It's mostly made up of his family. But the Westboro Baptists made a name for themselves protesting the funerals of soldiers. And they came with signs that said, thank God for dead soldiers. Pray for more dead soldiers. After school shootings, they would say, pray for more dead children. Horrible stuff. Now from their point of view, as the world has become more accepting of what they view as sinful behavior, God curses us with these tragedies. And so they celebrated 9-11 and school shootings and COVID. Can you imagine growing up in that world? But in 2012, Megan and her sister got out. They left this cult, which means they basically had to leave their family too. And now she's a speaker and activist who tries to make up for some of the harm that they've done. But she says that the thing that changed her life was Twitter. For a few years, Megan was in charge of all of Westboro's social media posts, including all of their hateful tweets. And there were plenty of people bashing her on Twitter, giving her hate and death threats, but none of that made a difference. But then, a few people started to treat her like a human being. They shared jokes with her and empathy. They started to ask her honest questions. And eventually, these simple interactions led to real friendships, and that's when things started to change for her. And these people on Twitter never condoned the horrible things that she shared. They just also treated her like a person. Megan said this during a TED talk that she shared. My friends on Twitter didn't abandon their beliefs or their principles, only their scorn. They approached me as a human being, and that was more transformative than two full decades of outrage, disdain, and violence. Now think of Jesus. There's a reason that Jesus was criticized for eating with those tax collectors and sinners, the people who everyone else hates. It feels really good to hate sometimes. It feels good to know you're on the right side of history because at least I'm not with them. And then you get to hate your enemies because you know they're the problem. Except Jesus says you have to die to that. Love your enemies. Pray for them. That's the way of Christ. And you know what? Loving your enemies, it sounds crazy. It sounds just as crazy as that vision from Isaiah where lambs are hanging out with wolves and lions and children are allowed to play with venomous snakes. It's supposed to sound crazy, 
because that's how different this world could be if we would die to our old ways of thinking. To go back to that image of the tree and the stump of Jesse, part of what needed to die with that old tree was tribalism. Like anyone else, the people of Israel wanted what's best for their nation. They wanted the glory days of King David so that they could defeat their enemies. But Jesus comes along and he's like, you're thinking too small. God wants to save them too. I'm sorry to be the one to tell you this, but God's dream includes everyone, even the people you hate. You see, meaningful change of the heart, it hurts. Letting go of our self-righteous anger, it's like experiencing a death. But it's also the only way that we're ever going to see a shoot, a plant, rise out of a stump. <laughs>